Notice anything different? That's right. No ad. Which means this space is available. So if you have a company or brand or product or anything really that you'd love to promote on 30 Pop, this is your chance. Just shoot me an email at the link in the show notes and I'll give you all the relevant details. Now, on to 30 Pop. You have one message. First message. Hey, Luke, this is Rusty Gates. Sorry I missed you, man. Hey, as team captain of the inaugural 30 Pop Trivia Champions, Three Men and a Baby, I just wanted to suggest a trivia question for our next event. Here it is. What's the name of the hit song released by Depeche Mode on their 1990 album, Violator, that would eventually be gold certified and happens to be the encouragement that I will give to the Durrett Dynasty after we beat them at our next trivia night? You guessed it. Enjoy the silence. Durrett Dynasty, we're coming for you. Thanks, Luke. See you soon. Message erased. No remaining messages. From Milieu Media Group, this is 30 Pop, a weekly peek back to music, movies, sports, fashion, politics, and news from 30 years ago. I'm your host, Luke Braun. This is Season 2, Episode 9, Glory Days and the Original Face of Jack Ryan. Today, we're looking back at the week that ended Saturday, March 3rd, 1990. Hello, dear, faithful fellow lover of retro pop culture nostalgia, and welcome to another episode of 30 Pop. I've missed you since last week. Before we jump into all the 1990 headlines and happenings, a little house cleaning. If you haven't gathered from my comments over the last nine or so months, one of my very favorite things is I get to host a 30 Pop Trivia Night at one of my very favorite coffee shops slash bars in Houston, Cafeza. It requires a decent amount of effort on my end, but I love it, like, a lot. So it always seems a little silly to put all that work in and make something so fun for only a relative handful of folks in one city to enjoy. My vision has always been to expand Trivia Night to include folks all over the country. But I guess I sort of failed to mention that. So I'm mentioning it now. If you're interested in hosting a retro pop culture trivia night of your own, let me know. If you find a venue in your town that'll pay you to host the event, or even allow you to do it for free if you so prefer, I can provide you with everything you need to make it happen. The largest, most consistent listening audiences for this show outside of Houston exist in Austin, Dallas-Fort Worth, Denver, Nashville, New York, L.A., and the Pacific Northwest. And I'd love nothing more than to have 30 Pop trivia happening in all of those places. But honestly, even if you live in an area that 30 Pop doesn't currently have a huge listening audience, that doesn't really matter. The way I write the trivia, folks wouldn't have to be listeners to enjoy themselves. They just have to enjoy fun stuff, because it's really fun. Anyway, if you'd be interested in hosting a monthly trivia night in your town, at a bar, coffee shop, or in your living room for that matter, just shoot me an email, luke at milumedia.com, which is linked in the show notes. All right, now, let's talk 1990. 30 years ago this week, on March 2nd, 1990, the very first film in Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan novel universe hit theaters and immediately claimed the top spot at the box office, The Hunt for Red October. The most brilliant commander in the Soviet Navy. Remy has trained most of their officer corps. He's nearly a legend in the submarine community. 
the most deadly submarine ever built. This thing could park a couple of hundred warheads off Washington. Nobody would know a thing about it until it was all over. Once more, we play our dangerous game without all the versatility of the American Navy. His plan is a mystery. A man with your responsibilities reading about the end of the world. Apparently, he has suffered a kind of nervous breakdown in which he announced his intention to fire his missiles on the United States. If you want us to help you hunt him down, kill him. Open the outer doors, firing point procedures. We sail into history. I'm going to blow him right to Mars. Ramius might be trying to defect. You're just an analyst. Why can you possibly know what goes on in this mine? I'll give you three days to prove your theory correct. I am not field personnel. I am only an analyst. You're perfect. I'm expendable. He's defecting. You willing to bet your life on that? From the best-selling novel by Tom Clancy. From the director of Die Hard. Give this man a chance. My orders are specific. Battle stations. Sean Connery, Alec Baldwin, James Earl Jones, Scott Glenn, Sam Neill. The hunt for Red October. In the film, Jack Ryan was portrayed by the oddly cast, in my humble opinion, Alec Baldwin. Although I suppose at the time he was no more odd a choice than John Krasinski, who's playing the character perfectly well now. In the film's first two sequels, 1992's Patriot Games and 94's Clear and Present Danger, the role went to the more aptly suited Harrison Ford, then to a much younger Ben Affleck in 2002's The Sum of All Fears, wreaking a little havoc on the series' timeline, and then to Chris Pine in the 2014 film Jack Ryan's Shadow Recruit. None of those actors have done a bad job with the character, even the ones who seemed like an unlikely fit for the role. Unique to this film in the series, though, the actor playing the lead character did not get top billing. Similar to Jack Nicholson in 1989's Batman, top billing went to the actor playing the villain in the movie. In this case, the always incredible Sean Connery. I have a vague memory of seeing this in theaters as a kid, but I obviously had no idea it was the beginning of a much grander cinematic narrative. In fact, it wasn't until I was in my 20s that I realized all these movies were connected. Sorry about that, Mr. Clancy, but for what it's worth, I am a fan of the series now. If you went to theaters 30 years ago this week to see The Hunt for Red October, here are a couple of the coming attractions you may have seen previewed beforehand. Once upon a time, in the middle of a deep, dark factory, an average Joe, Joe Banks, lived a very boring life. Good morning, dude. Hi, Joe. What's with the shoe? Losing my soul. Yeah. Until one day, he found out his life was over. I'm not sick except for this terminal disease. That's right. You have some time left, Mr. Banks. Live it well. And that's... Joe Banks? When his adventure began. You and I might be able to help each other. I want to hire you to jump into a volcano. A total red carpet situation. It's wine, women, and song in the sweetest little paradise you ever saw. A real journey. Are you Joe Banks? Yeah. Warner Brothers presents Joe, Joe, Joe Banks. The story of a man, a mountain, 
and a miracle. Take me to the volcano! He's diving! He's jumping! He's leaving! Written and directed by John Patrick Shanley, the Academy Award-winning writer of Moonstruck. I love you. I love you, too. I've never been in love with anybody before, either. It's great. I am glad. But the timing stinks. I gotta go. Pops finds out I got in trouble in school today. I'm definitely gonna be on punishment. Ah! Uh, there's a party tonight at Peter's house. Can I go? You're not going nowhere. Every little step you take will be around this bedroom tonight. Did you hear anything about a party tonight? Uh uh. At least not any good ones. Hello, Tawafa. Do I feel like being bothered with Tawafa? Hello, Ladonna. Woman, woman, woman. Yo, baby, looking real good. Step off. Scandalous. Kick it, Pop. What you got to say now, punk? How much more trouble can I get into? Hey, Eraserhead. Look, I'm in prison. Just do me a favor. Don't pick up the soap right there, Friday. I'm going to kill him. Yo, y'all, look who fell into the gig. Hey, this ain't soul train. The two finest women in here. Now, how could a man choose? He better choose right. Okay, so where we're on our way to? The house party. What? The house party. Jay ain't going to that damn party. That's all to it. I don't give a damn what you say. You're making me a social misfit. We'll dive into both of those films next week. In music, we saw a few changes to how songs were charting this week in 1990, although certainly not in every category. The top album in the country remained Forever Your Girl by Paula Abdul. Although she lost the number one spot on the Hot 100 charts after three weeks, with her single Opposites Attract dropping to number three behind Roxette's Dangerous and Janet Jackson's massive hit Escapade, which moved up to number one. Also in the top ten this week were the B-52s with their song Rome at number four, All or Nothing by Millie Vanilli, Here We Are by Gloria Estefan, Price of Love by Bad English, We Can't Go Wrong by The Cover Girls, Black Velvet by Alana Miles, and No More Lies by Michelle Lay at numbers 5 through 10, respectively. Salt and Peppa were enjoying their seventh and almost final week at the top of the hot rap charts with Expression, and the Oak Ridge Boys claimed the top spot on the hot country chart with their single No Matter How High. Now, I have no way of verifying this, but I'd be willing to bet that's the first sentence in history that included both Salt and Peppa and the Oak Ridge Boys. The number one song on the Billboard Hot R&B charts this week for the second consecutive week was Johnny Gill and Stacey Lattisaw's Where Do We Go From Here, which I discussed briefly on last week's episode. It's made a bit more interesting today, however, in light of another song that released 30 years ago this week. The debut single from Johnny's fellow, former, and future members of R&B boy band New Edition, Ricky Bell, Michael Bivens, and Ronnie DeVoe, or Bell Biv DeVoe for short, or BBD for even shorter. Their song, Poison. This song and the album that would release a few weeks later by the same title were wildly influential in helping shape and amplify the New Jack Swing sound of the early 90s. We've talked about New Jack Swing a bit on the show before, but lots of folks seem to be unfamiliar with that name. Essentially anything from that time period that combined the sounds of hip-hop, rap, funk, soul, and pop music would be considered New Jack Swing. And I loved that sound. 
I'd grown up listening to both early 80s rap music and late 70s to mid 80s Motown and R&B. So when they merged into a single sound, I was all in. I have a particularly fond memory of this specific song from a year or so after its release. Many folks have some moment in high school or college that they look back on and remember as especially glorious. The game-winning touchdown, the buzzer beater from half court, being crowned prom queen. For me, I look back to the spring of 1991, fifth grade, my final semester of elementary school, the school-wide end-of-year talent show, in which my two best friends from school, the perpetually camo-clad Jesse and the mysteriously quiet AK, short for Ancoma, and I closed out the show with a choreographed lip-sync routine to this honestly very adult song. Now, look past the kid who played Chariots of Fire perfectly on piano, the little country boy and girl who sang and danced to Garth Brooks's Two of a Kind working on a full house, and even our three ex-girlfriends who tried to outdo us by performing their own choreographed lip-sync routine to this song earlier in the show. And I remain convinced that what we did on that stage that spring afternoon in 1991, in front of all of our teachers, classmates, heavily hairsprayed moms and coach shorts wearing dads with their big bulky VHS cameras slung over their shoulders is still whispered about with awe and reverence by the children who occupy that cafetorium now, 29 years later. The provocative dance moves of three boys who are clearly ahead of their time. The controversial lyrical content of the song they so accurately but silently mouthed. The clothes they wore. The poster board that bore their glittery, shimmering names. I'm telling you, friends... If I ever had a glory day, that was it. I actually still have a VHS copy of that performance and a VCR on which to relive it. But no, I will not be sharing it. I'd rather you just trust me and use your imagination. I'll be back next week with episode 10 alongside the always funny Aaron Hale. If in the meantime you want a little more 1990 nostalgia, just click on the link in the show notes for the 30 Pop Mixtape playlist on Apple Music and Spotify. And again, if you're interested in bringing 30 Pop Trivia Night to your city, hit me up. I'd love to make it happen. Until next week, remember, the immortal wisdom of BBD. Never trust a big button to smile. 30 Pop is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Bronner. Our artwork is by the amazing Heather Hale. To check out more shows from Mill U Media Group, visit millumedia.com, which is linked in the show notes for this episode. And if you have a story from 1990 that you want to share on the air, email 30poppodcast at gmail.com. 